you shall call his name Jesus. I want to talk about Jesus because it's Christmas time. Talk about the Christ child. In this day and age, it's very easy for us to skip the true meaning, if you will, of the season, which is kind of the rhyme that a lot of people like to use. What's the true meaning of this season? And uh, I think you folks already know it, or you wouldn't be here tonight. But uh, we're going to spend some time in this passage. We're going to look at some of the things about Christ, and hopefully you'll be encouraged by it as we go through this. So let's ask a couple of questions, and I'm going to give you just a little teeny bit of history tonight as well as get into the biblical narrative about what Jesus means to us. But why do we meet on Christmas Eve? It's a little unusual. It's a Saturday night, and here we are meeting together basically in the night before Christmas. And so very unusual because uh, obviously it's Saturday and tomorrow's Sunday morning when we have our normal church time. So why do we get together on Christmas Eve? Another big issue uh, that many people are interested in is where does the word Christmas come from? Where does it come from? Why do we use it? And uh, you might be a little surprised when we get into that. Why is it important to see the Christ child also as the creator, savior, and coming king? What we look at at Christmas time is we're very excited about the birth of Christ. We're very excited about the giving of gifts and the uh, the wise men and the shepherds. And all of that is certainly part of the Christmas narrative. And uh, you'll see that I, I try not to use the word story because it's not a story. It's a true account of what literally took place some 2,000 years ago when Christ came to this earth. But he didn't just come for us to celebrate the cuteness of, if you will, the nativity scene, which you can see up on the table up front. It's wonderful. It's cute. It's endearing. It uh, brings folks together at Christmas time. But Jesus is so much more than a baby that came and was placed in a manger. So as we go to Hebrews chapter 2 in just a moment, let's read that. We'll pray and then have a short message, and then we'll have our time of celebration during our candlelight message. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, speaking of Christ, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Father, I pray now that as we look at who Jesus is, why he came, why we celebrate this time called Christmas, I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, there may be someone here, maybe more, that if they died right now, they're not sure that they would go to heaven. There's others, Lord, that need some encouragement tonight and to draw closer to you. So, Father, I pray that as uh, uh, those that already know Christ as Savior, that you'd encourage us, that you'd motivate us, that you'd help us to just enjoy who Christ is and then to walk out of here excited about telling others the greatest news ever given to mankind. And then, Lord, if there's someone that's here tonight or more or some watching on the Internet that had never placed their faith and trust in Christ, they're not sure if they were to die that they go to heaven. Lord, may they find that free gift here this evening before they leave. So, Father, we commit this time to you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if we go to Hebrews chapter 2, we're just going to start on the first couple of verses which say this. But we see Jesus. 
but we see Jesus. Well, the big story uh, uh, is, or the big question is, well, who's Jesus? And uh, when we look at that term and when we look at society, when we look at our current culture, when we look at various churches that exist, you might get a various opinions about who Jesus is. Who really is Jesus? Who is this one called Jesus? Well, Luke chapter 1, verse 31 says this, And behold, he's talking to Mary, you will conceive in your womb and will bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, we all again know the account of uh, when the angel comes and Mary is told that she's going to bear a son and his name will be called Jesus. But if we go to and you look off to the right of the screen to the next verse that's companion to it, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, it says, You shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. The great wonderment about Christ is not his birth. It's not just the crib. It's not, if you will, the manger scene. The greatness about Jesus is that he will save his people from their sins. I put this up for a reason. Many times when you're driving down the street or maybe you've got one on the bumper of your car and you'll see this fish occasionally uh, scattered throughout uh, our area and other places around the country and even around the world. It's called the ichthus sh- uh, uh, fish. You say, well, what's an ichthus fish? Well, it's, it's Greek to me. Unfortunately, it's Greek because that I understand a bit. And uh, there's uh, uh, five different letters on that. And the letters are... Basically, they give their their symbolic for five specific words out of Scripture, and I put them up there for you in the Greek uh, transliteration as well as the English. But in English, it's basically this: Jesus Christ, God, Son, Savior. So many uh, uh, Christians will identify with their Christianity by placing this particular symbol on a car, or maybe on a desk, or other places to identify themselves as, I believe, in Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. If you'll take a look at that picture very carefully, look at the first two letters. The first one uh, basically is is an I, but the next one is the letter I want you to see, which is a capital X. At least it looks like a capital X in English. Today what you'll find is, and uh, when you read various things off of <clears throat> history and the internet, you'll see those that use that X for what? What word? Christ, Christos. The Greek letter is actually the one shown on there, and it stands for Christ or Christos. Now, of course, in our modern-day world, what has happened is instead of uh, putting Christmas, what do a lot of people do? They put Xmas, and uh, there's those that say, well, in the Greek language, the X is there referring to Christ. Well, the X is there, but it doesn't refer to Christ in our modern-day culture. It's a nice nice try, folks, but it doesn't work. And uh, Jesus has basically been pushed out of Christmas around the world and in many places right here in America. But the, the point of the matter is this. Who is Jesus? Well, but we see Jesus. How about this word Christmas? We're here because we're celebrating what? Christmas. Well, what does that word actually mean? Because it's a word that absolutely is not found in Scripture. 
In fact, it's a word that came about about the 11th century is the first time that someone used it. It really didn't become massively used until several hundred years later. It's not a biblical word, and what does it refer to? Well, if you go back, and again, I don't want to get too much in the historical piece, but what's interesting is Christmas is made up of two words, which is Christ's second word, Mass. Now, if uh, you come out of uh, uh, maybe a background or, or go to a church that uh, is more liturgical and uh, maybe such as a Catholic or a Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox, Anglican or some of the others, that becomes a major word that was used back, if you will, several hundred years ago. So it was basically Christmas was a mass for whom? There's Mass for Christ. That's actually where uh, the word, the, the literal meaning of that particular word. Well, we get into that, but that's interesting that that's where it came from. What about Christ? What about the first part of that word? Christos. And again, I put the Greek word up there because it starts with what letter in English? X. Christos. Who? Christ. The fulfiller of the Israelite exception of a deliverer the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. The word Christos is so important because it's referring to Jesus Christ. And what does he mean to Jesus mean to us? Well, the word Christ is actually the word Messiah. Now, you've, have you ever, many of you at least have heard about um, maybe that uh, the Handel's Messiah. Maybe you've listened to that. Well, who is the Messiah and where did that term come from? And also uh, the word Christ or Christos is a proper name for whom? For Jesus of Nazareth. Well, let's pull this all together. Messiah is used twice in the Old Testament, and it's actually in the prophecy of Daniel. Two times the word Messiah is used. And Daniel, we're not going to go through the passage, but Daniel basically is prophesying about when Jesus Christ would come. Now, I am going to say this, and I'm not going to go through the complete prophecy right now, But I want to ask everyone a question, especially if you're not familiar with your scriptures. I'm going to ask you a very pointed question. Is there anywhere in the Bible that tells us the exact Jesus Christ would come to be crucified? And yes is the correct answer. And you say, really? Now, many folks don't even realize this, but if you go through the prophecy of Daniel 9, chapter, uh, Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 26, it gives you the exact time when Jesus Christ would come and be crucified. And I'm just going to read verse 26, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Now, this gets a little technical, so I'm not going to get into it. But here's the point. If I, and, and I have messages out on this on the internet, which you can look at about Daniel's 70 weeks. Literally, what he's saying here is 183 years after a specific decree is given is exactly when Jesus Christ would come to be crucified. That's basically, in a nutshell, what verse 25 describes. You say, really? Where'd you come up with that 483 years? Well, it's 69 weeks, which are Hebrew heptads, you multiply the 69 times 7, and you come up with 403 years. You say, well, this is getting pretty technical for church. But here's the point, folks. What I'm trying to get to you right now is Christmas is a whole lot more than getting together at a manger scene and passing presents around. 
It's documented scripture in this particular 483 years after a particular decree was given, and I'll tell you exactly when that decree was given. King Artaxerxes in 445 B.C., many years after this was prophesied, the prophet Daniel told us exactly when Christ would come. Now, it's my strong suspicion that you would not be, unless you believe at least something about Jesus, why would you be here, correct? Are you telling me that the Bible, 500 years before Jesus came to Daniel, prophesied exactly the date when Jesus Christ would be here? It's exactly what I'm saying, and it's exactly true. Authenticators? In chapter 1, is we see the word Messiah used in the Old Testament. He first found his own brother, Simon, said to him, We have found the whom? The Messiah, which is translated the Christ. What do we have here? We have John saying, listen, uh, uh, we found the one that definitely, this is the Messiah, the one who's going to be the deliverer, the one who's come to this world. You say, well, why is that important? Well, it's important because Jesus being talked about here. That we call Christmas, this time of families getting together, the time of recognizing who Jesus Mary, You're going to bear call his name, his from their what? Their sins. I can tell you this. Can I share something with you? I think you know, but you may not. Do you realize that every single one of us is a son? You say, that's shocking. I don't mean to be rude. I don't mean to be condescending because I'm going to start with the person behind it. I'm a sinner. You say, well, you're a pastor. You shouldn't be a sinner. You should be a guy. That we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. You can't avoid it. We've all sinned and come short of God's glory. Ask yourself a question. Why would Jesus leave heaven's glory and come down in a manger as a little baby? Why not? What is the reason behind what Jesus did? Think about in our culture. If somebody is rich and they're famous and they've got everything you can think they could ever want, strip away, humble themselves, and maybe go live in a Met rescue mission for a while. Now, they may do it for a TV show, but they're not going to do it normally, right? I mean, why would the rich person, uh, a person of great status, a person strip away everything, come to the position of a humble servant, even to the point death? Why would God do that? When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the man, am? Now, Jesus, of course, has grown up. He's with his disciples, and he's still trying to get people to understand who he is. So now he's out with his disciples in a place called Caesarea Philippi. I've been there. It's a wonderful place to visit because it's a big, giant cave. And inside that big giant cave back in the first century, it was believed that that was where, and of course falsely, but that's where Satan came in and out of to come into the world. It was a bubbling pool. It's not bubbling anymore, but the cave is still there. Philippi. It's the place where they believe were the gates of hell or the gates of Hades, based on your Bible translation. And Jesus gathers his around, and he says, Hey, guys. You know, here we are, here we are in Caesarea Philippi, the, the place of where it is stated that it's a place where Satan is supposed to come out of. And let me ask you a question. Who do people say that I am? 
Well, some of them start to come back. Well, some of them say, well, you're like, you're John the Baptist reincarnated. Some say you're Elijah, come back from the dead. Others, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. That's who people think you are. Folks, that's the problem in our society today is people are still wondering, is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? And we get together and we celebrate Christmas and we have a great time and we have great family times. And then uh, uh, the next day we're like, okay, I've, I guess we've had enough of this Jesus thing. Now let's go back to our normal lives. And Jesus said, hold on a second, folks. There's a little more to it than that. Who do people say that I am? Remember a, a guy named Peter? Peter's going to make a startling statement to Jesus. Jesus says, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Catch this now, You are the who? The Christ, the Messiah. You are the one who has come, basically, to save this world from their sins. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's a startling statement. What does Jesus answer back to him? Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, the same person as Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The disciples were around Jesus. They said, oh, he's much more than a little baby in a manger. He's much more than the son of Mary and, uh, if you will, the, the stepson of Joseph. You say, wait, 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 wait. You just called Joseph his stepson. I did. You say, well, why is that? Wasn't Joseph his father? Well, he was his stepfather in a sense because Jesus was born of a what? A virgin. That's extremely important. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Jesus did not have an earthly father. He couldn't. It was impossible. And we'll tell you why in just a moment. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, he said to them, Who do you say I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, let's look at the voluntary reduction of the Savior. What did Jesus do? Jesus, God, again, look at him as the what he is. Colossians 1, 16, he created everything. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And all of a sudden, he decides, I need to come down to this earth, take on the form of a baby. Why? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 says, but we see Jesus, who was what? Made a little lower than the angels. So we have God. We have the next sphere, which would be the angelic realm. And now God is saying, listen, we're going to make We've got Jesus who has got to become, if you will, lower than the angels. Well, who's that? That would be us. He had to become like me and you. He had to take on a human form. But why? So there we have the shepherds in the field. We all know the, the account of what took place. We all know that the angel came to Mary and Joseph, we'll talk about that tomorrow morning, and told them about this virgin-born baby that was to come that had to be made a little bit lower than the angels. Well, here's why. And here is the most important part about why Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down to this earth at what we call Christmas time. 
Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9 again, but we see Jesus was made a little lower than the angels. And now a startling statement. For the suffering of death. Now you say, wait a second. It's Christmas time. We want to be happy. We want to rejoice. We, we, we don't want to hear about something as gloom and doom as this. And quite frankly, folks, this is not gloom and doom. This is the gift to you. It's your gift. You say, well, what's a gift? And how, how is this a gift? Jesus is to death to give us what? To give you life. You see, without Jesus Christ, if he would not have left heaven's glory, if he would not have come down, if he would not have been born of a virgin, if he would not have been become just like me and you, yet without sin, not a single one of us would ever get to heaven. Not a one. God says, listen, I'm going Can I tell you something? Do you know that Jesus loves you? You say, well, yeah, we say that in Sunday school. That's just a bunch of kiddie stuff. No, Jesus loves you. I mean, Jesus loves you you and Jesus loves you and Jesus loves you every single person here probably knows one verse if you've never been in church before you probably know this verse you've probably seen it on stadiums you've probably seen it written on sidewalks in some places remember John three sixteen? for God so what's the next word loved the world that he gave his own son, that whosoever believes in him perish, but have what? It's the gift. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels. Why? For the suffering of death, to pay the penalty for my sin and yours. What else did he do? But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. Now, this is getting into, if you will, a prophetic scenario, which we're not going to get too deep in. Do you understand what the Jewish people were looking for when Jesus came? Were they looking for a little baby and a man to be who he was? It's not who the Jewish people were looking for. They were looking for the conquering Messiah to come and to set them and to build his kingdom right here on earth. Is that what happened? Absolutely is not. By the way, the Jewish people were correct in, in that assessment, but they just timing off. Because that's exactly what Jesus will do when he is crowned with glory and honor. Let me take you to one of the great Christmas parts of Scripture. Isaiah chapter 9, many of you know this, and let's dissect it very quickly. The Bible says this, right over here, For unto us, a child is born. Unto a son is given. Pause. Isaiah chapter 9, written some 700 years before Christ, makes this statement. In the future, there's going to be a child who will be born, and that child, who is Jesus, will give his life for us. Let's look at the next part now. Again, if you're not familiar with Scripture, at times God gives a whole lot of history and prophecy in one verse. Let me ask you this. The next line that we read, start to thought, is this something that's taken place yet, or is it yet future? For unto us a child is born, past tense, 
Unto us a son is given, past tense, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. What is he talking about? Folks, and again, if you're new to the Bible or you've, you've gone to a church that doesn't explain Scripture, this was like, what is he talking about here? I'll tell you exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about the kingdom to come. He's talking about what the Jewish people were anticipating that Jesus would come to set them his government over which he would be the ruler. And by the way, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 7, tell us that he's referring to what's known as the millennial kingdom, which will take place right here on this earth. Say, serious? That's exactly what he's saying. But that's not going to happen today in the future, and that's exactly what he's talking about in Isaiah. Let's look at Philippians 2. We're coming to also has highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of who it will happen, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue, speaking of every person, shall Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, some of you are getting a whole lot more than you bargained for today. And it's like, wait a second, what does all this mean? What I'm trying to make it very clear, because here's what happens on Christmas and what happens on Easter. There are those that show up in church maybe a couple of times a year for these big major holiday events, if you speak. And there's so much more to the Christmas story than a little baby that was born open presents, go home, wait till Easter. Totally missed the whole point. That Jesus who came 2,000 years ago as a little baby grew up into a full-fledged human man born of a virgin. Now let me tell you why he was born a virgin. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, 700 years before Christ, made a prophecy that Jesus Christ would be born of a virgin. Now, if you're an adult here, you pretty much should understand what that word means. Why? Are you ready? Here's exactly why. It's a little more than, oh, it's a cute, miraculous thing that took place. No, it's an absolute necessity that he did not have a human father. Here's why. Wherefore, listen please, Romans chapter 5, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men and women, because all have sin. Who's going to die for our sins must be born as a, from a virgin mom, or else he would have the sin nature and couldn't save a single one of us. Now, folks, do you see how much... We've been here about, I've talked for about 20, 25 minutes right now. Do you see that there's a little bit more to the Christmas story than Jesus was born, let's pass out gifts and go home and have cocoa? It's huge. It's massive. By the way, everything we're talking about right now affects your eternal life. Live forever. Uh, most people, and I'm pointing here because that's where we usually put a cat going, of glory and honor 
that he by the grace of let me who came down as a virgin born baby some 2,000 years ago this weekend and that Jesus they whipped him with cat tails cat of nine tails ripping his flesh went through six illegal to death falsely Jesus then the cute one the baby the son of Mary and Joseph then has a cross and Jesus said I'm willingly going to that cross for everyone why did Jesus God not take Jesus life for him he gave it why Hebrews 2 9 tells us they made him a little lower than the angels God himself becomes a baby to go to the cross to give you a gift tonight now many of you have already accepted that gift but there's some folks here right now and you're going to sit around a Christmas tree either you have or are going to probably do it within the next 48 hours and as you pick up the gift what do you do you take the gift and either it's to you or you willingly give it to someone else it's a free gift that you want them to have because you love and care about them. I want to give you that gift tonight. I can't give it to you. I can offer it. But only you can take it because I can't make you take it. I can't force you to take it. It's between you and the Lord. Listen, you've come here tonight for a reason. Many of you, it's a reminder of what Jesus did for you. Amen? I mean, it's just plain old-fashioned reminder. This is what Jesus did for us. Others of you here, it's like, I never heard this before. I've gone to church all my life, uh, or I've gone to church once in a while, and I, yeah, okay, we talk about Jesus, and it's a great thing, and whatever, and I walk away with just the same as when I walked in. All right, how about changing today? Are you ready for that gift? I'm going to tell you what that gift is right now. Here's the gift. You know those books that I passed out? I didn't pass them out, but some of the guys passed out those books a few minutes earlier. Those were gifts. Nobody had to pay for them. How did they get that gift? The same way that you're going to get gifts, either already done it or you're going to do it in the next day or so. What do you do to get that gift? You reach out. Expectation! My name's on the package. And you pick up that package with your name on it and you pull it in and it's like, I can't wait to see what's inside. And you rip it open and... Hopefully, you go, woo, this is great. Well, let me tell you about a package that's being offered to you that is the greatest gift ever given to mankind. Would you like to go to heaven when you die? You say, I sure would. I've been trying all my life. I've been going to church. I've been trying to do my best. I, I want to go to heaven when I die. I believe that's one of the reasons I'm here because I, I think if I go to church, maybe I'll get to heaven someday. It's not that way. Here it is. Are you ready? Go back to that verse, John 3, 16. There's a promise in it for you. And then I'm going to give you one more promise and we'll be done. John 3, 16. For God so loved, put your name in there. For God so loved Rich or John or Peter or Mary or whoever, whatever your name is. For God so loved, put your name in there. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever that if Rich, Mary, John, Peter, whoever, that if they believe in him, what? His death, his burial, and his resurrection, they will not perish and go 
politically incorrect word, but biblically spot on. They will not perish and go to a place called hell, but have everlasting life. That's why Jesus came, because he loves you, and he gave his life for you. One last thing. Remember that gift that some of these folks received tonight, or the gifts you're going to receive? Here's a free unmerited gift. It's like somebody showed up at your house that you never knew, never saw, have no clue who they are, and they came up, they ring the doorbell, and they say, hey, I got something for you here. And you're like, well, I don't know who you are. Doesn't matter. I want to give this to you. And, and, and just take it. It's a gift. It's free. You don't deserve it. You don't know me, but I want to give it to you right now. And you say, okay, I'm in. Some of you say, no, no way. Get away from me. I don't want that gift. I don't want it. Get out of here. I don't know who you are. I, could be a bomb for all I know. Go away. And others say, uh, all right, I'm going to take a chance. Uh -uh. And you take the gift and you open it up. And it's a priceless item that you just can't believe that somebody gave to you free and unmerited. Here it is. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace, God's free unmerited gift. Are you saved? Here's what saved means in the Bible. Saved from sin, saved from the penalty of sin. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Folks, that's Scripture. I didn't make it up. It's not in the hymnal. It's not in the back of some book. It's inside this book right here called the Bible, God's Word. For by grace, God's free and merited gift are you saved. Saved from sin, saved from the penalty of sin. And it's not of yourselves. It's by what? It's by faith and faith alone. That's why Jesus came to this earth. Are you ready to receive that free gift tonight? If you've already received it, boy, you ought to be happy tonight. It's the greatest gift ever to be received. I'm going to read the Christmas passage, seven verses. We're going to pray. I'm going to offer you the opportunity. If you're here tonight, you've never received the free gift of eternal life by placing your faith and trust in Christ. I'm begging you to do it. I may never met you. I may not have met you yet, but Jesus came here for you. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered or taxed. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary his betrothed wife who was with child so it was that while they were there the days were completed for her to be delivered and she brought forth her firstborn son wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn no room for Jesus. No room for him. Do you have room for Jesus tonight? How's your heart's door right now? Have you ever opened it up and received the free gift of eternal life by placing your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you through his death, burial, and resurrection? It's up to you right now. It's up to you. Are you going to say, come on in, Jesus, I've been I finally get it. I finally understand why all this took place, and I'm going to receive that free gift tonight. Or you can do the opposite, which I pray you don't do. No, nope. nope, my doors to my life is shut. You're not coming in. One last thing. Do you know if you're going to make it home tonight?
Do you know that there's going to be people that are going to be driving crazy tonight? There's going to be people that could potentially be drunk tonight and are going to slam potentially into cars tonight and kill folks? What if that was you? Where are you going? Can you please think about that? Father, I pray now that as we rejoice, most of us in this room tonight, in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Father, thank you so much for that free unmerited gift that you've given to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But Lord, I'm fairly convinced, Lord, because in a crowd this size, with those watching on the internet, there's folks here that have never received that free gift of eternal life by placing their faith and trust in Jesus. Right now, if that's you, if you died when... If you were to die right when you walked in this auditorium before I gave this message, did you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? You say, Pastor, i got to be honest, I really didn't know, but I, I don't want to go to heaven when I die. All right, two, one minute and we're done. Do you understand that you're a sinner? You say, yeah, I know I've done wrong. Do you understand that because you sin that you don't deserve to go to heaven, but every single one of us deserves an eternity in an awful place called the lake of fire or hell? Do you understand that? Do you understand that penalty for sin? Yes, I do. Do you believe that Jesus Christ, God's Son, and we gave you absolute bonafide prophecy proving this point this, this evening? Do you believe that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, lived on this earth some 33 years, was crucified, buried, and three days later rose from the dead? Do you believe that Jesus did that? You say, I do. I absolutely believe that. Well, then how about going to that final point? Would you just accept that free gift this evening? by placing your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you. You can't earn heaven. You just can't do it. But you can receive that free gift tonight. Would you reach out and take that free gift that Jesus has for you tonight? You say, I want to do that with all my heart. Then just do it. Receive it by faith. Now, I'm going to say a little prayer. The prayer is not what will save you. But if you're accepting the free gift of eternal life this evening, I think we should thank Jesus for what he's doing in your life right now. So I'm going to say a little prayer, basically of thanksgiving, if you're trusting 